Colossians chapter number two, verse number one. For I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. And well, I'm glad that Paul didn't have the opinion of most preachers on the, those at Laodicea. We live, we're living in the Laodicean church age. Some pastors think just give up, quit on them. They're upset, they don't want nothing. Paul said, well, I wish I could go see them. I wish I could go encourage them and help them. And for as many as not seen my face in the flesh, verse number two, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love and all the riches of the full assurance of understanding and to the, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ in whom are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I, am I with you in spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye therefore receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted up and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of God, head bodily. And you are complete in him, the head of all principality and power. Let's pray. to Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for this morning. Lord, what a privilege that, Lord, it's been to be in the house of God. Lord, it's a place that, Lord, I desire above all else to go to. It's a place that I long and I look forward to go to. Lord, I'm so grateful this morning for a place that, Lord, that is, it's my church home, Lord, it's with my church family, my brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, we have a similar redemption story, God, you found us in different places, but God, you took us all by the same place, Lord, you took us by the cross and by the empty tomb, Lord, we thank you for salvation this morning, we thank you, Lord, for the truth that unites us this morning, is that we're nothing more than sinners saved by the grace of God. We pray, Lord, this morning that you'd help us from the word of God this morning, God, that you give us exactly what we need, what we stand in need of this morning. God, you know our greatest need. God, you know where we are better than we know where we are ourselves this morning. We ask you, Lord, that you'd help us. God, in ways that only you can this morning, that way we can step back, lift up our hands and say it's because of the Lord that we are where we are and we are what we are. And I pray, Lord, this morning that you hide me behind the cross of Calvary. God, would you get me out of myself, Lord, and fill me with your spirit. We pray, Lord, this morning, there's anybody here that doesn't know you as their personal Lord and Savior. God, that you'd save them by your grace, Lord. God, do that great work, God, that you've done in my life, Lord. Do it for them. Lord, I'm glad, Lord, that you're not willing that any should perish, God, but you're willing to save all that come to you. Lord, we ask you, Lord, this morning you do exactly that. Help us this morning from your word. Encourage us, strengthen us, challenge us, convict us. And God, help us to leave out of here different the way we walked in this morning. We thank you for the visitors. God, thank you for the, the members that are here this morning. God, give us all that which we need the most this morning. And God, will give you the praise and glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I love, I love the Pauline epistles, as some people call them. I love uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. They are just wonderful truths to live your Christian life by. And I remember there's, I can't tell you how many books are in this, the, the Christian living section of of most bookstores and, and most Christian libraries. And no doubt they're good books and they're wonderful books. I'm glad this morning that all those other books, you don't really need them, amen. They're not essential to the Christian life. But if you just get in Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, the Lord can help you from his word how to know the live and how to live the Christian life. 
But this morning we're going to look at this thought and I'm going to introduce it this way. Uh, me and Miss Becky are celebrating 13 years of marriage on, on, on tomorrow and, and, and when we got married, we got married on love, amen, because everything else was too expensive. <laughs> And we couldn't afford anything else, amen. We got, when we got married, all we could afford was the P and the O of poor. And we're now just in the place where we can get the OR attached to the end of it. But I remember we were, I mean, I, I remember looking at one of my pay stubs when we first got married. I remember working two weeks, over 40 hours, and bringing home just a little over $400 after taxes. Might even be before taxes. My pay stubs in one of my old Bibles back there. But I remember when we first got married, we, had, we drove cars uh, that, that they would not give us full coverage on, right? There was no point. They would, they would, there's no point us giving it. And so we, for the longest, we drove everything we drove. Our insurance policy was nothing but liability, right? They would take care of and, and cover us in case of an accident, but nothing more, nothing less. But then I remember when we, we got our first car that we financed. And under the laws in Georgia, if you finance a car, you have to have full Coverage, And I understood it came with a higher price tag. I understood that there was more money I had to pay monthly. But there was something about it when I found out and I realized I had full coverage. It made it seem like I was bulletproof. It made it seem like no matter what, it didn't matter because I had full coverage. I remember thinking, go ahead, pull out in front of me. It's fine. I got full coverage. I'll be taken care of. Let that deer cross the road. I don't mind. I've got full coverage. Go ahead, take your shopping cart and scratch it all the way down the side of my car. I don't care. I got full coverage. Now, this morning, I really didn't want those things to happen, but I, I thought, man, I got full coverage. In case something happens, I'm okay. It'll be taken care of. Y'all know how it is with the insurance company. Just because they say they fully cover you doesn't mean they're actually going to fully cover you. But now this morning, I want to take that thought and apply it to my Christian life. I'm glad as a blood-washed, born-again believer of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, I have real, I'm talking about no doubt, 100%, as real as it gets this morning, full coverage. There are no loopholes. There are no There are no uh, strings attached to it. You and I, as saved individuals this morning, are fully covered by the Lord Jesus Christ. We have full coverage this morning. He said, well, preacher, where do you see that? Look at verse number nine. For in him uh, dwelleth all the fullness of God, of the Godhead bodily, who in Christ is one. How much of God is Christ? He is 100% all the way, everything, all that there is of God is in Christ this morning. You got to realize this morning when Jesus Christ was born in that little manger and he came into this world, we didn't get just a part of God. We didn't get a third of God. We got all the Godhead bodily in the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, that's great, preacher. He's all of God. I understand that this morning we'll look at verse number 10. And we are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. So if he's all of God this morning, and you and I as saved individuals are in Christ this morning, we have all or we have full coverage this morning. He said, well, preacher, why is that essential to know? Why must we know that we have full coverage in Christ? Because there's things in this world and there's things in this life that if you let them, they will rob you of things that God desires you and I to have. I'm not talking about monetary things. I'm not talking about physical. I'm talking about things that are greater than a paycheck, things that are greater than a, a, a financial blessing, things that are greater than a, a thing that you and I can hold. I'm talking about things like joy and peace and contentment that only comes from from the Lord this morning, but there's some things that if we, if we forget and we, we neglect the fact that we are fully covered in Christ, they'll sneak in there, begin to rob us of those things. Look at verse number four. What are some of those things, preacher, the enticing words of beguiling men? 
Verse number four, and this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. That word beguile means to deceive by false reasoning. Do you know this morning there's some people there's some people that operate under the power of the prince of this world, Satan himself, and their only desire is to make you doubt and to make you question and to make you wonder how much God really loves you, if he's even concerned with you, if he even cares with you. Can I say this morning, they are enticing you and I with beguiling words, and we need to know this morning, on the authority of God's word, on the authority of God himself, I'm fully covered no matter what you say. The enticing words of beguiling men Spoiling philosophy in verse number eight. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy. It's interesting word. It's an interesting thought there because you look the word philosophy up, and in the Greek and in the original language, it literally means a lover of wisdom, or a lover of of, of wisdom, one who loves wisdom. But we see here that it is not coming from God. We understand this one, that godly wisdom is absolutely perfect. God's wisdom has no problems. God's wisdom uh, brings about liberty and joy and encouragement and strength and help in your life. But the philosophy of man does not. It's merely vain speculation. Boy, we're living in a philosophical age, aren't we? Of man's philosophy. Uh, there's there's stuff, so much stuff out there this morning that men have said is true. Men said science backs it up. Men say it is it is true because we've studied it out. The truth of the matter is none of it's true this morning. I did not. I'm not a product of evolution this morning. I'm not an accident. I didn't just happen to be here one day. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. There's a God in heaven who created you and I, and I'm responsible to Him, and so are you this morning. Oh, it, you can love. Love looks however you want it to look like. And I say that's not true. It's man's philosophy. There's a such thing as biblical, correct, and true love this morning. We're living in a world that's trying to, through philosophy, is trying to spoil the next generation. Verse number eight, we need to know we're fully covered because there's vain deceit. He said through philosophy and vain deceit, empty promises and worthless action. Or do you imagine getting to the end of your life and realizing you lived it all based on vain deceit? You allowed somebody to creep in and somebody to influence you and to pull you out of and to pull you away from what God had to you to get into your life and realize that's not what God wanted me to do. That's not what God desired of my life. I've been deceived. My life has, has been nothing but empty promises. In verse number eight, the traditions of men. So lest any man spoil you through philosophy, vain deceit, after the tradition of men, the action, the appearance is the, the marker of spirituality and not the word of God or one's actual relationship with God themselves. In, in essence, one, one commentator says it this way, it's like bringing a, a lamp to a sundial to find the time. We understand this one, there ain't but one way to tell time on a sundial, it's with the sun. If you bring the light yourself, you'll move it to wherever you want to make it seem and read as you want it to read this morning. Can I say this morning, I, listen, I'm a Baptist from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. I'm thankful to be a Baptist. I'm grateful to be a Baptist. I was reminded of it uh, this morning. I was messaging with Brother ben, ben Manley over there in Albania. He said they had three more visitors that have stopped by this morning to, to visit church and he said they'd been to church before and they, they just felt like they needed to go to church. He said, I don't know why God's bringing them in but I sure am glad. I was, but as he texted me that, I texted him back. And I, I was reminded of Miss Mary Ann Stevens. I can still remember her first Sunday. She's went home to be with the Lord now. But I remember her first Sunday. She came in here like a wrecking ball. 
I stood up and she come busting in the double doors into the men's Sunday school class. <laughs> I stepped outside, ma'am, can I help you? She said, I was driving down the road and I seen Baptist on your church sign. And she said, I'm a Baptist. I said, me too, ma'am. She said, I was gonna go to church where the Baptists go to church at. I said, well, I'm glad you're here, amen. I'm grateful for it this morning. But can I say, I'm glad for the doctrines that we believe as Bible believers and that are, that are outlined in our Baptist faith this morning. But can I say, I'm not for just the traditions of men and just doing things because that's what we're told to do and that's what everybody else does. Hey, listen, I need some, I, you gotta show me from the word of God this morning. If it's in the word of God, hey, we'll go for it, amen. But we're not just gonna settle for the traditions of men. Because when the traditions of men override the truth of God's word this morning, we're stepping out of that full coverage that we have. Notice this also, verse number eight, the rudiments of the world. The rudiments of the world. Now, if you're like me, I have no idea what that word rudiments meant. Sounds like a vegetable, amen? You boil it long enough with collard greens and you eat it. That's rutabagas, I think. <laughs> the rudiments of this world, verse number eight. So we've got to watch out for those because they're attacking our full coverage what is that? That's this world system, this world's way of acting, this world's way of reacting. This one we talked about in Sunday school this morning, how Jacob got a good thing when he got the blessing from his father Isaac, but he just didn't go about it the right way. And can I say this morning, the world says the ends justify the means. It's all right if you've got to be deceitful. It's all right if you've got to be dishonest. It's all right if you've got to hurt people and harm people. As long as you get what you want, then it's okay. Can I say this one? That does not line up with the word of God tonight or this morning. That does not line up with God's word this morning. You and I are to live our life according to the word of God this morning, not by the rudiments or the ways of the world system. Say, so, well, preacher, why? How do we not let these things corrupt us? How do we not let these things injure us? How do we not let these things hurt us, preacher? How do we, how do we get around these things or get through these things by reminding ourselves, if I'm in Christ, I've got full coverage. If I'm in Christ, I have got full coverage. Every Christian can better understand their full coverage in Christ by looking at the following aspects of this coverage. <laughs> that, that poor fellow called me that day and they were trying to tell me everything that was covered in my insurance policy. It went in one ear out the other. I'm just glad that when I needed it, I had what I needed, amen. I probably should have paid attention when he was going through the numbers and the stats and all that good stuff. But if you're like me, if it's just blah, 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 it just went in one ear and out the other. Right? I'm like you and I'll probably, I probably need to learn to do better than this. I'm, you know, sign, just sign my name, just whatever I need. All right, then we're good to go. But I'm glad this one as a Christian you and I can step back and we can see what it truly means to have full coverage in Christ. What does that, what does that entail? What are the aspects of that? Well, number one this morning, when it comes to full coverage, you and I as saved individuals are fully covered by his work. We're fully covered by his work. Look at verse number two, that their hearts might be comforted being knit together and love and all the riches of the fullness assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of Christ and the Father and of Christ. What is the mystery of God? That Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's explained in other parts of the Bible tonight that, that we as, as born again believers we don't just know God but God dwells inside of us. He has taken a bold within us this, this, this morning and he, he guides us and he directs us this morning. But why is that? Because he has a, and we are fully covered by his work this morning. Now we could probably all agree with this statement. Good work is hard to come by. Good work is hard to come by. 
And it's one thing to have to fix your own mistakes. Amen. How many of y'all been there? <laughs> you know, you, you measured once and you end up having to cut twice. And then you ran out of enough board to actually do what you needed to do. But we, we, it's one thing to fix my mistake. I can't blame nobody else. I, I can't put it on nobody. I've got to fix it. But how many have had to fix somebody else's mistakes? How many have had to try to fix something that somebody else did? I remember being in the cabinet shop and he used to drive me up a wall. They would bring somebody else's mistake back to me and they'd say, Tate, we need you to fix this. We need you to do it right. I said, why don't you take it to so-and-so that did it wrong? They said, well, we want somebody who's going to do it right. I said, why don't we take it to them and show them how to do it right? Well, that'd take too much time. We'd rather just let you fix it and get aggravated because we know you ain't going to cuss and carry on and, and throw it back at us. There's a few times where I thought, man, if I could just launch this cabinet at them. <laughs> but notice here this morning, before I act like I've got it all figured out, before we act like we, are, we, we never make any mistakes, we always do it right, we've got to realize this morning that when, when Jesus died, for, he died in our place. He died for our mistakes. He died for our sins. He died for our failures. He died for what you and I could not get right this morning. He did it for you and I. And here's the thing, my work was filled with imperfections, but thankfully, the work of Christ is perfect. There's not a single flaw. There's not a single issue with the work of Christ. Notice, well, what does this work consist of? Well, there was a powerful cross. Look at verse number 14. I, I applied the outlaw study method to the first point. That's where you start at a later verse and work your way back to the first one. But look at verse number 14. Plotting out the handwriting, or blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Well, preacher, what does that verse mean? Well, you got that first phrase right there, the handwriting of ordinances that were contrary to you and I this morning. What does that mean, preacher? We were guilty and condemned. We were already in the wrong. But, but notice what he did in verse number 14. It was already, it was already against us. In essence, the, the defense didn't have to make up a case against us. We were already guilty. There was nothing that you and I could argue and say, well, that ain't true. That ain't right. We sing that song that it's under the blood and how when Satan comes, he accuses us and he says all these things about us. And in honesty, we have to say he's right. I did say those things. I did do those things. I did act that way. I did have that attitude. But here's the thing this morning. It's not based on what you and I did this morning. It's based on what Christ did. For, well, what did he do? The Bible says right here in verse 4, nailed it to his cross. Notice there, there was a, there's a possessive word right there in verse number 14. Nailing it to his cross. Christ did the work this morning. He nailed it to the cross. He bore them in his body. He became sin for you and I this morning because we couldn't do it for ourselves. I think sometimes, and I understand the illustration point behind it. I'm not against it this morning but sometimes I've seen where they take a cross and they put it up on a wall and they give each, everybody a sticky note and they take that sticky note and they, they put it on the cross and say, this was nailed to the cross and this was nailed to the cross and this was nailed to the cross. And no doubt I'm thankful for the illustration this morning, but can I say this morning, it wasn't a sticky note that was up there. It was a dying Savior, a bleeding Savior who had been beat and buffed by his stripes. I'm healed this morning. It's because he nailed my sin and he allowed himself to be nailed in his cross, or to his cross and on that cross my sin was paid for. Notice here this morning there was a powerful cross, nailed it to the cross. He took it out of the way. Look at verse number 14. Not only was it contrary, he took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. You ever thought about it? What does it mean to take it out of the way? It removed as far as the east is from the west. And I've preached it here before, and I'll just repeat it this morning and give you the opportunity to shout amen, that I'm thankful this morning that as long as you're going west, 
You'll never run into east. And as long as you're going east, you'll never run into west. And that, what does that mean, preacher? That my sin is so far gone, it is so removed from me that I'll never have to run into it again. I'll never have to answer for, I'm glad this morning when I take my last breath here, I will not stand on the great white throne of judgment. I will not have to answer for my sin because the truth of the matter is, in my own self and your own ability, you have no answer for your sin. But thanks be to God that Jesus Christ came and he was the propitiation. He's my answer for my sin this morning. Notice he nailed it to the cross. Took it out of the way. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's another understanding of that phrase, took it out of the way. Something that's in the way keeps you from getting from one place to the next. <laughs> Some of y'all watched track and field, and now nah, I never participate. I, I thought about it a few times, and I remember my physical inabilities. I like watching those guys run the hurdles. They just hop right over them, one after the next, after the next. If it was me, I'd hit the first one and roll all the way to the finish line. But I'm, I'm not hurdling over any hurdles this morning. <laughs> I'm not trying to get up over my sin all by myself. Christ said, you can't do that. Let me take it out your way. Let me remove it. Don't, don't even, it's not even going to be near anymore. And in doing so, when he removed that which was separating you and I from God this morning, that which was not allowing me and you to have that per, personal relationship with God this morning, when God saved you and God changed it on the cross of Calvary, he removed that sin that was not allowing you and I to get to God. And now this morning, because he's removed it out of the way, you and I can come boldly before the throne of grace this morning. He took it out of the way. It also talks about blotting out in verse number 14. And I've preached on that before. That means to be completely covered. When Jesus bled and died on the cross, he didn't erase your sin. What, what, preach, what's the big deal? What's the difference between erasing and blotting? I mean, they're similar actions, same, same premises, well, here's the thing, when you erase something, you can still see what used to be there. You look hard enough. I've got this little rocket book right here, and it's got a erasable pen. You can write it with a pen, you erase it, you can write it again. It's, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. It's, it's space-age technology. But as I begin to use page after page after page, there's still a remnant of what used to be there. There's still a, an image of what I, what I wrote before this morning, but I'm glad this morning when it came to my sin, it wasn't just a race. You can't tell necessarily where things used to be because why? It's been blotted out. Now notice this, blotting out isn't whited out either. <laughs> Some of you kids have no idea what white out is. Before the days of text messages, we actually had to write things to people and write, write, write stuff down and you wrote it down in pen before you could erase it. You had to take white out. You had to paint that thing on there. And you'd say, well, it's gone. You could write over it. But how many of y'all did what I used to do when I was a kid? I hold that thing up to the light. I said, what did they really say the first time? What was really going on? I'm glad this morning my sin wasn't white. It was blotted out. And that's just, it means to take ink and completely cover it where there's, it, it, there's no seeing of what it used to be. It, you knew that there used to be something there and something happened, but it's been blotted out. There's no trace of it left. It's been completely, it's been completely covered and you can't tell what used to be. How many glad this morning? There's some of y'all when y'all testify about what you used to do and who you used to be. I think, man, they're lying. Ain't no way they used to do those things. Ain't no way they used to go there. Ain't no way they used to say those things. Why do, why do you think like that, preacher? Because your sin's been blotted out. And mine's been blotted out this morning. And I'm glad this morning that it's been blotted out never to be brought back again and brought before me again this morning. There was a powerful cross. Verse number 13, working our way backwards this morning, there was a powerful change. 
Because there was, a, there was a savior on a cross who died for you and I who rose again the third day, everything has already been done for you and I to be saved by the grace of God. Look at verse number 13. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you of some of your trespasses. Having forgiven you of all the trespasses the brethren don't forgive you of. Having forgiven you of all trespasses. But notice here, because there's a verse number 14, there's a verse number 13 this morning. Here's, here's the thing this morning. When Jesus, when, when you got saved by the grace of God, Jesus didn't die on the cross. He had already done that. He had already paid the price, not just for you, but for every person, every man, every, every a woman, every boy, every girl. Here's the thing. God doesn't send people to hell. People choose to reject what he's already done. And they make the choice to go there themselves. It's a tough truth to give. That's a tough, tough truth to preach. It's a tough, excuse me, tough truth to present this morning because it goes against our, our, our society. You can't say things that hurts people's feelings. You can't say things that, that make people worried. You can't say things that, that might, might cause people to, 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 to question certain things. And I say this morning, Jesus has already done everything that is necessary for you and I to be saved by the grace of God. And if you reject that, you've made your choice. You've made your choice this morning. It's a powerful change. But when you trust in verse number 14, what Jesus did for you, then you'll have a verse number 13 experience. You'll be quickened. Brought from death to life this morning. Resurrection power. Not only is there a powerful cross and a powerful change, but verse number two, there's a powerful comfort because of his work. I'm fully covered by his work. Notice what it says in verse number two. The full assurance of understanding. The full assurance of understanding. Brother Ricky taught on it, preached on it last night about being persuaded. And I kind of say I absolutely agree with what he said. The longer I live my Christian life, the more I'm persuaded, the more I begin to understand all that Christ has done for me. All that he was willing to do for me. All that he gone through, all that he did. And now I'm more comforted as his child. When I step back, he did that for me. He went that far for me. He gave up that for me. He, he died like that for me. The more I understand it, the more comfort I get out of it. Can I say as a young man, as a young father, the older I get, the more I appreciate my parents. The more I appreciate what they did for me and how they, how they handled things and what they kept me from. Because as a parent now myself, I'm starting to realize that all that stuff just didn't happen. All those choices just didn't just, just come to be one day. They made deliberate choices to raise me and my, my siblings a certain way. And can I say, I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful that my parents taught me that, that listen, if you're gonna work, you better work hard. If you're gonna say you're gonna do something, you better do it. I'm thankful that the, more, the, grow, the older I grow, the, the, the more I appreciate that this morning. I appreciate the work they invested in me. But I'm thankful this morning that I have full coverage because of the work of Christ this morning. Let me ask you this morning, are you trusting in the finished work of Christ this morning? That's why when he died on the cross of Calvary, he didn't say, I'm just about done. He said, it is finished. Got, I'm fully covered by his word. Notice number two this morning, I'm fully covered by his word. I'm fully covered by his word. Look at verse number three. In whom are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. <laughs> you know why the first point's so good? Because we've experienced it. We know what it's like to be saved by the grace of God. But you know why we experienced it? Because somebody explained it to us. Somebody preached it to us in, in some kind of form or fashion. We heard the gospel. It was laid out to us and and here's the thing, why, how could they explain it? Because it's been written down. <laughs> we have a record of it this morning. 
Could you imagine the Great Commission going into all the world and preach the gospel if the gospel hadn't been written down for us? If it hadn't been uh, securely and uh, all that, that stuff this morning in the word of God, if it hadn't been compiled and put together and, and by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost this morning, secured for us. So, could you imagine trying to go and preach without the Bible? There's some that try to do it every Sunday. But here's the thing. We wouldn't be able to do it with confidence, right? Because we'd be going off of experience alone. My experience this morning, there are some similarities in my experience and your experience. And the things that tend to be the same or that are the same this morning are the things that are written down in the word of God. God dealt with my sin. God dealt with me as a person. God, God, the Holy Spirit began to convict my heart and I did what Romans told me to do. I confessed my sins. I asked the Lord to save me, believed on him, trusted on him, and got saved by the grace of God. But can I say this morning, God found me in a different place and he found some of you. And so if we're going off of the experience alone, I'll say, well, my experience doesn't match their experience. God saved me out of the church house. But God saved them out of the bar. Or God saved them out of this place and that place. And, and if it's not the same, then how do we know which one's real? Because here's the thing, it's not necessarily the, the location and the experience in that sense that, that justifies it. It is the word of God that justifies it this morning. But thankfully, we have the word of God, the true standard, the real guide. Let's look at verse number five. Or excuse me, verse number three this morning. In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom. Why would God hide truth from us? Why would God hide wisdom from us? Why would God hide knowledge from us? Oh, you're reading that wrong. No, preacher, it says, in whom are hid. That's what it says. It doesn't say, in whom is hiding. Right? If you're hiding something, that means you are trying your best to not let somebody else find it. But in whom are hid means there is something within them. There is something that is already there. What is it, preacher? Wisdom and knowledge. Where do we find that at in the word of God? James said, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Matthew said, ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Where do you get it? The word of God tonight, or this morning. Preacher, how, how can I know more about the Lord? How can I know more about wisdom and knowledge? Go to his word this morning. Why? His word comforts me. His word, there's nothing like watching God keep a promise. And I was, I was writing this down, I thought about them 10 lepers that Jesus healed. And I, I wish to say I was always the one that realized what God had done for me. And I go back and give him thanks. But sometimes I find myself in the nine who God has kept his word and I failed to realize it. Well, how many glad this morning even when we don't realize it? We don't always acknowledge it. We don't always see it firsthand. We don't always see the evidence of it, so to speak, or we, we don't always deal with it in the right way, but how many are glad that God still keeps his word even when we don't notice? <laughs> Nothing like watching God keep a promise. You ever watch God keep a promise in your life? You thought, boy, I didn't deserve that. I didn't earn that. Why would he do something like that for me? Because he loves you. Sometimes I notice, sometimes I don't, yet he still keeps his promises. His word comforts me. His word convicts me. Some men have standards and convictions that God has dealt with them about, but it don't bother me. God hasn't dealt with me on that, that issue. For instance, this, this morning, there's some that if you pulled out a deck of cards and started playing a card game, they'd say you're going to hell. I, I just learned the phrase face cards just a few years ago. And I remember thinking, 
I think I said, I have, I'm going to bring a deck of cards in case it rains. We'll have something. No, you're not. You're not going to bring those devil's tools into our place. And I understand this morning that, yes, a deck of cards can be associated with gambling. And yes, I think gambling's wrong. But in essence, that'd be the same as saying a bottle is wrong. A glass bottle by itself, there's nothing wrong with that. It's when you fill it up with alcohol and you partake of it. But I remember they were saying, if you do that, you know, you ought, you ought never bring those devil tools into our place. I thought to myself, I grew up playing kings on the corner with my grandma. I love playing solitaire. I didn't know that was a sin. And the Holy Spirit said, it ain't. <laughs> I said, thank you, Lord. But can I say this morning, I have some that you'd probably say, well, that's a little weird, preacher. Why would you do that? It's just something God's convicted me of. It's something that God has put that standard in my life. For instance, some of you may have a cross hanging up in your house. I, have, that's, I don't have anything against that this morning. But I'm probably not going to put them in my Why, preacher? Because of where I come from. See, what I was raised up in, I was taught, and I, I've seen people come down and literally kiss a cross with their lips and, and kiss a crucifix and attempt to get blessed, and attempt to get help, attempt to get healed. And everybody I knew growing up, they had them hanging up in their house, and they were all crosses that the priest had blessed. And because they were hanging up in their house alone, for that specific reason, they were blessed of God because they had that hanging up in their house. And so this morning, I, I, at my house, I'm not going to put them up because I don't want anybody to walk in and think, he's still who he, who, who he used to be. He still believes the same way he does. Can I say this morning, it was not an object that saved me. It was Jesus Christ that saved me. And I'm grateful for that this morning. But his word convicts me. And I'm not just talking about but I'm talking about man. It's one thing for somebody to say something, but it's a whole other thing when God takes his word and lays it flat in my heart and says, what are you going to do about that? And there I have to make the same choice that every Christian will have to make. Will I obey or will I disobey? When God takes his word and deals with me, there is no reasonable argument that I can come up with. Well, Lord, I know what your word says, but here's what I think. God said, I ain't asking you what you think. I'm telling you what I said. His word comforts me. His word convicts me. But thankfully, his word clears things up too. God's word is absolute truth that applies to every situation. There are some who say, well, there's gray areas in the Bible. I don't agree with them. I don't think there's any gray areas. In the I think it's black and white. What we've got to learn this morning in our Christian life is that we can't take situations and then try to apply God's word to them because it'll change. We've got to learn to take God's absolute truth and apply them to every situation in our life this morning. God's word is always enough. It, it, it comforts me. It convicts me. It clears things up in my life. This week alone, I was counting it up this morning. This week alone, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, twice on Wednesday, Thursday, a little bit on Friday evening, a little bit on Saturday. It's eight times this week. I'm going to open up the Bible and expound upon God's Word. Eight times this week, in some form or fashion, I'm going to preach from God's Word. I'm not talking about it. I'm talking about just this week alone. I'm preaching more than there's days in the week. Preacher, are you complaining? Oh, no. I'm not complaining. I said, Lord, open up doors and I'll go in. Give me opportunity, Lord, and I'll preach. I'll expound upon your word. I'll share the truths of God's word this morning. And here's a blessing eight different times this, this week. And I'm gonna have eight different messages. I've got from a wedding to a funeral to Sunday morning to Sunday school to the to, to GSIC uh, Good News Club. I got all in, in every aspect of the, of the radius this morning I'm gonna have to deal with. 
Preacher, how you gonna do that? I've got a word that works. <laughs> oh, I didn't go, well, you know, I just came up with something. I, I hope it be hope it'd be a blessing to you. And and I, I wrote a poem and I wanted to work for you. I'm gonna open up God's word and say, here's what God said. Here's what we ought to do about it. <laughs> Notice this. Let me ask you this more. What kind of relationship do you have with the word of God? When's the last time it comforted you? When's the last time you went to this for comfort and not your best friend? When's the last time you went to this for comfort and not Facebook? <laughs> Worst thing you'll ever do in your Christian life is try to get an opinion on Facebook. I ask you, when's the last time this word convicted you? When's the last time God dealt with something that wasn't like him and said you need that out of your life? When's the last time you went to the word of God to clear things up? I'm not asking for so-and-so's opinion. I need to know what God says. We need to remember that we're fully covered, one, by his work, number two, by his word, and number three, this morning, I'm fully covered by his will. I'm fully covered by his, look at verse number six tonight, this morning. It's going to be a long week. <laughs> Amen. I figure as long as I don't preach the message for the funeral at the wedding, we should be good. Where's Brother Jacob? He's in a better place. <laughs> Some would say they're one and the same. I would, I, would hi, I would highly disagree with that. And if you think it's one and the same, you need to get something right, amen. There it is, the word of God's fixing to convict you. You didn't even come to preach on that, amen. Be here Saturday, I'll preach on it Saturday. Oh, did I just invite people to y'all? I'm sorry, I can't do that. <laughs> if you haven't registered yet, you can't come. <laughs> I think, I don't know. Point number three, I'm fully covered by his will. Verse number six, as we have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk ye in him. So walk ye in him. Some of y'all had the joy of having to deal with a contested will or an amended will or even the loss of a loved one without a will. You have to take it to the judge and it has to go through probate and you have to try to figure everything out. Often results in hurt feelings. Often results in hurt family, often results in headaches in everybody, and sometimes it even results in hefty payments. And you sit back and say, well, if there had been a clear will, all this would have been taken care of. Wouldn't have had this kind of issues, these kind of problems. And thankfully, as a Christian, the Lord has made his will very clear to us. Here's what he wants us to do. It's right there in verse number six. So walk ye in him. That's the will of God for you. There you go. I just solved all your life's problems. Preacher, what does God want me to do? Walk with him and walk in him and live with him and allow him to be your dearest friend, to spend those moments with him, to have that personal relationship with him. That is the will of God for your life. And he's done everything that is needed for that to be possible this morning. Really, preacher, is that simple? Just walk with the Lord? That's the will of God for every preacher. What about location? How am I going to know where God wants me to go? Listen, if you're walking with him and he leads out a certain direction and he goes a certain way, then you must be going in the right direction because God goes in the right direction every time. Preacher, what about my occupation? How do I know it's the job that God wants me to have? If you're walking with him, he'll make it clear. Preacher, what about my, what about my, my decisions, my choices? How, how do I know I'm making the right choice? Walk with him. Have that relationship with him and his word and turn to his word and you'll make the right choice. Preacher, what about my detours? 
Preacher, I, 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 I've messed up. I've done wrong. How do I know? How do I know what God wants me to do? He said, come back. Oh, I'd encourage you this morning to go search your Bible and see when there was a father and son relationship and when the son strayed and the son got off. Think about the prodigal son this morning. He went to his father, demanded everything from him, went and wasted his life in a far country, came unto himself and realized it's far better at my father's house to be a servant than to live in this pigsty that I'm living in. The Bible said he came into himself, started his way. I can hear him saying, oh, Daddy, I, you know, he's, he's practicing his apology. He's practicing all of that this morning, thinking, man, Daddy ain't going to want to see me. Daddy's going to get mad at me. And the Bible says as he was making his way home, the father looked out and seen the son and ran. Aren't you glad this morning we serve a God? Yes, there ain't nothing this morning, Brother Ricky, that can separate me from the love of God this morning. Yes, I've messed up. I've done wrong. I ain't been perfect. But I found out he was waiting on me long before I was waiting on him. <laughs> oh, thank God this morning I'm covered by his will. Preacher, how can I know? How can I know I'm doing what is right? Just walk with him. Just walk with them. I think about them disciples. I think about old Simon. I love Simon Peter. Because he walked with the Lord and then he was trying to tell the Lord how to do things. <laughs> he was on the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter said, this is good, Lord. We ought to build three tabernacles. And God said, no, just look at him. I still think Peter made the right choice that night when he walked out of the boat and walked on the water. He was walking where Jesus was. And I say, preacher, how, do I, how can I know I'm doing that? Just walk with him. and Walk towards him and walk for him and walk with him this morning. The will of God isn't for you necessarily to know what tomorrow holds, but it's to be reminded that you can walk with the one who holds tomorrow. Let me ask you, are you bogged down with doubt and worry? Whose will are you trusting in, yours or the Lord's this morning? Are you going to know and believe that God was right in Romans 8, 28? He said, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. Just walk with them. What does God want me to do, preacher? Walk with them. But what about this? What, oh, he'll tell you that and he'll deal with you about that and he'll, he'll straighten those things out. He'll give you the, the liberty. And he'll tell you, no, don't do that. But you got to walk with them. Preacher, what does God want me to do? He wants, me to walk. he wants you to walk with him this morning. Are you walking with the Lord. I'm fully covered by his work. I'm fully covered by his word. Thank God I'm fully covered by his will. If I'll just walk with him, I'll have everything that I need this morning. Let's all stand this morning. Every head, every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you so much for coming this morning.